0: My name is David Porter. I am the author of Five Minutes to Live. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to this podcast. Uh, Just a few things to to note. Um, In the description of the podcast, I've got the purchase link if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live. I've also got my Facebook and Twitter links so you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. I'll interact with you. Um, the, The purpose of this podcast, we are reading through Five Minutes to Live, chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week. And I release them on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Central Time. Now, if you're here and you haven't started with the prologue, episode number one, go back, start there, or you're going to be completely lost. Please set the alert notification, whatever that looks like, on your podcast of choice, so that when the new episode is released... It alerts you now one other thing five minutes to live has a lot of footnotes there are a lot of scientific references and a lot of Bible verses in each episode I'll list all of those footnotes so you'll have them you can go back and research read about the people read about the articles read about the science and read the Bible verses finally I've got a new book that I've finished writing it's called 60 seconds of silence it's not out yet, but as soon as it is, I'll go back and list the link so you can purchase it in the description of each episode as well. Now, with that, thanks for being here. Let's get to it. Chapter 26 4 minutes 59 seconds left. The clock was ticking. Omar and Jessica opened the door to the stairwell, and I watched them go up two stairs before the door shut. I leaned down and looked at the explosive devices to see if there was a way that I could turn it off. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I didn't know anything about bombs, and I wasn't about to take a chance. I started running and prayed as I went. Father, your word tells me that Jesus said that he gave me authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. That means this man, his gun, his bullets, his explosives cannot hurt me. And therefore, if he pulls the trigger, you must do something with the bullets. You must do something with the shrapnel if he detonates the explosives. I expect you to do something with the bullets, with the shrapnel. For your words sake, not for mine. Four minutes, 42 seconds left. I had a lot to do in less than five minutes to get it done. The next thing I did was turn and start running back to the bank of elevators to hit the call button and see if the same elevator would return with my gun. If it didn't, I was going back to the lobby to get it. I had one key, but if I couldn't figure out the second, I wasn't going up to the roof empty-handed. I had only taken about three or four steps when I heard Jessica scream in a way that I had never heard before. A scream of absolute horror, absolute terror. I knew the only way to help her was to get my gun, get the research, and get to the roof. I made it to the elevator bank and slapped the call button. I had a one-in-six chance that the same elevator would return. It was the only one I had seen moving tonight. Possibly, at this time in the evening, some of the elevators might be disabled and my chances would be closer to one-in-three. From the elevator bank, I sprinted. And when I say sprinted, I mean I ran as fast as I could in the condition I was in. I sprinted to Jessica's office, pulled her phone out of my pocket and plugged it into a charger she had sitting on her desk. I said to myself, I don't know if this will work, but it's worth a try. Jess had told me that she left me a clue about the software key. She said the clue was in the voicemail she had left. I had listened to that voicemail twice, but I was still unsure what the clue was. Maybe I could get enough juice into the phone while I retrieved the gun and unlocked the computer in its cage on the desk to check the voicemail again. I heard the elevator ding, and I sprinted back toward it. It was the same elevator I had taken, and I was just able to slip my hand between the doors before they closed. The gun was still sitting on the floor. I picked it up, stuck it in my waistband, and breathlessly ran back to Jessica's office, pulling the lipstick key out of my pocket along the way. I could see the screen on Jessica's phone had lit up, turned on by being plugged in. Possibly there was enough power to play the voicemail. I looked down at my watch. Less than four minutes left. Hurry up, Matt! I shouted to myself. I hurried around Jessica's desk and fell into her chair. The momentum rolled the chair away from the laptop, and I scrambled to get back to it. With the lipstick tube in hand, I pulled the cap off and twisted The key appeared, and I moved to unlock the computer. Where's the lock? Where's the lock? I was scrambling, but I couldn't find the place to put the key in. Breathe, Matt, just breathe. Desperate and looking to divert my attention to something attainable, I turned to Jessica's cell phone. It had powered back up, and I put in her code to unlock it, 6288. Fumbling for a moment, I was able to find and play the voicemail. Speakerphone! Where's the speakerphone icon? I shouted. I missed the opening lines of the voicemail while I found how to turn the speakerphone on. I hit the icon and Jessica's whispered voice came to life mid-message. Uh, I've got your number stored in my phone and I don't remember it. Uh, if you get this, uh, if you're listening to it, please be careful. Don't trust anybody. And please hold on to my stuff. That is my favorite tube of lipstick. I would be lost without it. I'm a virtuous woman, Matt. I really am. Don't lose my lipstick. Oh, here they come. The voicemail was over. I understood the lipstick reference. Now I knew the physical key to unlock the cage if I could ever find the lock. But what was the clue for the other key? Was it in the first part of the voicemail that I had missed? I'll get back to that in a minute, I said to myself. I went back to trying to unlock the computer from the desk. I shook it, trying to get it free, trying to shake a hidden lock out of the opening. Nothing worked. Really, nothing moved. I was concerned that I was going to break the laptop screen or something. There was no way to get the computer free if I couldn't unlock it. Finally, on the back side of the computer behind the laptop screen, I found the lock. Had I not been so distracted by Jessica's phone turning on as I entered the room, I would have seen it easily. It was out in the open, just on the wrong side of the screen for me to quickly see sitting at the desk. The key fit in on the first try and the lock popped open. Within seconds, I had the computer released from its cage. I pressed the power button and waited while the computer booted up. I looked down at my watch. Lord, this is hell. Help me! I shouted. In an instant, I was reminded of a verse out of the Bible, the book of Jonah, which said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and now heard my voice. I immediately knew that God had heard me, and he was helping me. It was God confirming, acknowledging to me, that he was listening to my prayer, and that he was with me. I again looked at the time. Two minutes, 45 seconds left. The computer booted up very quickly, surprisingly quickly. A box appeared with a pre-filled username, but it was looking for a 10-digit password. The pre-filled username was Virtuous Woman. I played Jessica's voicemail one last time. Oh, Matt, the voice once again quietly whispered. I was reminded of the first time I listened to this voicemail in the bathroom of the airplane, and I couldn't hear Jessica's voice over the quiet roar of the engines. This time, I had trouble even hearing it over the pounding of my heart in my chest and in my ears. I hope that you're okay and you've still got my phone. I hope you're listening to this. Uh I've got your number stored in my phone, and I don't actually remember it. That's the part I didn't hear, and I don't think there were any clues in that part, I said to myself. Jessica's message rolled on. Uh, if you get this, uh, if you're listening to it, please be careful. Don't trust anybody. And please hold on to my stuff. That is my favorite tube of lipstick. I would be lost without it. There's the first key, I said out loud. What comes next? What's the clue? I'm a virtuous woman, Matt. I really am. Don't lose my lipstick, she said adamantly. Oh, here they come. And then the message was over. She had obviously hung up. What was she trying to tell me? She referenced her lipstick a couple of times, but right in the middle between the two lipstick references, she said she was a virtuous woman. That's the clue. I should have spotted it sooner, recognizing that was the clue. The pre-filled username to unlock the computer was virtuous woman, and she had said I'm a virtuous woman in her voicemail. I should have connected the dots. But at that second, everything clicked. I knew what the clue was, what all the clues had been. I opened the sliding panel on Jessica's desk, the one where her handwritten letter had been taped. Again, I saw the virtuous woman's scriptures. Nuria had been surprised when she saw me snapping a picture of the letter when I was here earlier. She said, you found it. Then later, she told me that I had now had the keys. That now part had been confusing to me. At the moment, things were making sense. I had snapped a picture of the letter when I was here yesterday, and when I looked at that picture on the phone later, I noticed some of the letters looked darker. I didn't have time to think too much about it because the phone had died, but now I knew those letters were the clues. A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing Mm -hmm. breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it, then with the money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work, is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say. And she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead, and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. I grabbed a pen from Jessica's desk and scribbled the darker letters on my hand. The first letter was an S from the word diamonds. The second letter was an E from the word her. The third letter was an E from the word reason. And then K from the word knitting. I had the first word seek. Time was running out. I needed to hurry and get through the next thing. The next letter was an A from the word trading, followed by N from the word brings. The next two letters were D from the word dawn and Y from the word family. The first two words were seek Andy. Seek Andy? What does that mean? Oh, no, I'm not going to be able to figure this out. Father, in the name of Jesus, give me wisdom. And then I knew, I just knew down on the inside, keep going. The key will be opened. The key will be opened? The key will? What a weird phrase, Lord. I kept working on the code and the next two letters cleared things up significantly. E from the word over and S from the word she's. I began to understand. The first two words were seek and not seek Andy. The Y was actually the first letter of the third word. Seek and yes. That didn't make much sense either, but I knew the key would be opened. So I continued working quickly. The next four letters spelled H-A-L-L, hall. And we're taking from she, eager, and the two L's from call. Now my clue spelled seek, and yes, hall. Inspiration hit. Instead of trying to interpret each word from limited letters, I should just write down all the letters in one big word in order and see what it spelled. I went through her entire letter and wrote down all the darker characters. The code spelled out seek, and you shall find. And then shall be opened. Written like that, I recognized it It was a scripture verse from the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament in the Bible. It was a scripture that, actually, Jessica and I had talked about just two days before. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I had used that verse to get back in the hotel room to seek and find my wallet. Jessica was brilliant. Seek, and you'll find the password. Knock and the computer will be opened. The key was opened. I typed in the scripture reference 10 digits with no spaces, Matthew 7 7. And with a melodic chime, the computer unlocked. Without thinking about it, both of my arms shot into the air like I had scored a touchdown. It was painful, but I shouted in triumph Thank you, Lord! I grabbed the laptop and blasted my way out of the office. Following the exit signs, I sprinted to the end of the first hallway and then the end of the second hallway. Coming to the stairwell door, I looked down at the timer and saw that I only had a few seconds longer than one minute to get to the roof. One minute, seven seconds left. I never slowed down, passing the timer. I hit the stairwell door and it opened with a boom banging on the wall, sending echoes down close to 50 floors. I knew I had to go up at least seven flights of stairs to reach the top of the building. I was on the 47th floor, and there were 53 floors in the building. One minute to run, seven flights of stairs. If I could do it, Omar would stop the timer, and Jessica and I could be safe, hopefully together. Hopefully that was still in her vision of our future. I started up the first flight of stairs, skipping two steps for every stride I took. I was making surprisingly good progress, and then I came to the landing between the first flight and second flight of stairs. I ran right into the security guard, New York Hulk, from yesterday. Now I know why Jessica had screamed. He was riddled with bullets. He was a gruesome sight, lying on the floor in a puddle of his own blood. That may have been the first dead body Jessica had ever seen outside of a funeral home. He must have been doing his rounds or something, or maybe an alarm was triggered that alerted the guard when Omar came down the stairs from the roof. Maybe Omar was on his way down the stairs with one of his boxes of explosives when New York Hulk tried to stop him. I'm sure it didn't take but just an instant for Omar to pull his gun and shoot him. New York Hulk was unarmed and never stood a chance. I didn't have time to stop, and there was nothing I could do for the guard anyway. As I rounded the landing and made my way to the next flight of stairs, I saw there were several bloody footprints making their way up the stairs. There were two different types of footprints, one small and one large. I kept hustling, following the footprints up the stairs. The time on my watch kept running down toward zero, and the numbers on the doors were running up toward 53. My legs were burning. My lungs were burning. My head was pounding. My ears were ringing. Everything hurt. But I knew if I didn't make it up the stairs before the timer went off, Jessica and I would need a miracle to survive. Even though I hadn't seen anyone else, it seemed feasible that if an explosion went off, probably a lot of innocent people would be injured or die as well. Keep running. Keep running. I was willing myself up the stairs. Don't slow down. Keep going. Jessica is depending on you. Keep running. Nine seconds left. I reached the top of the stairs and opened the door to the exterior. Being that high up, the wind was howling. It caught the door and swung it hard, banging it against the exterior of the building. It was very loud on the roof, but over the sound of the wind and the running helicopter, the banging noise caught Omar's attention. I shouted, turn off the timer, turn off the timer. I have the computer. I started moving in his direction. Omar was standing there outside of the waiting helicopter, holding a slumping Jessica up by the arm. She looked like she had been in a mixed martial arts match with Conor McGregor and lost convincingly. Her lip was bleeding. Her face was bruised and puffy. The helicopter's top propeller blade was spinning, but not yet at full speed. The engine was on, but it wasn't quite ready for takeoff. When he saw me, Omar pointed his gun at Jessica's head, resting it on her temple. He had obviously lost track of time during his fight with Jessica, or he would have been waiting for me in the helicopter. The scuffle may have just ended mere moments before I opened the door. It was a miracle that the dead man's switch hadn't been activated zero minutes zero seconds left suddenly there was a quiet rumble a tremor below our feet that felt like an earthquake then the whole building both towers seemed to sway screams of breaking glass filled the night air the explosive charges had detonated had we been standing on the ground below we would have seen the concussive force that blew out all of the windows on the 45th through 49th floors of both towers. We would have seen the fire raging in the building. We would have seen the flashing lights. We would have seen the sprinkler system engaged to try and fight the flames that were threatening to swallow the rest of the building. We were on the roof, and the only thing we knew was that we were in trouble. An alarm began blaring, a deafening sound even on the noisy roof. I looked at Omar and saw a panic in his eyes. In that instant, using the explosive detonation as a distraction, Jessica swiveled and leaned forward, bringing her right fist down, hard, into Omar's groin. He howled, crumpling toward the ground and fired the gun. The shot went over Jessica's head. She gave him a hard right cross, sending his face violently toward the right and took off at a sprint toward the edge of the building. I had been running toward Omar when Jessica hammered his groin. Instead of stopping when Jessica punched him, I continued to run toward them to help Jessica get away from Omar. She broke free, but my momentum brought me directly to Omar's feet. I wasn't nearly fast enough to help Jessica or to get to Omar in time to effectively use her distraction, and I found myself standing face-to-face with Omar and his loaded gun. I still had the research computer in my hand. It was unlocked for him. The tower was rocking relentlessly. I had stopped running no more than three feet from where Omar stood. We were eyeball-to-eyeball. Close enough to have a conversation like two friends would in a coffee shop. When I realized my mistake, I started to back away. Omar shouted, give me the computer or I'll kill you. I shouted back at him. There's no weapon that's formed against me that can prosper. I took another step away from him and Omar pulled the trigger. Point blank range. I heard the shots. I heard each one ring out a deafening blast. I saw five mini-explosions mere feet from me. I watched five empty shell casings ejected from the gun. It wasn't in the realm of possibility that he could miss. But at that moment, we weren't in the natural realm. The supernatural realm imposed its will. Five bullets stopped in midair and dropped to the ground at my feet. I knew the Lord had saved me, sent an angel to deflect those bullets. I wasn't going to give Omar time to reload, so I began running away from the helicopter and toward the edge of the building. Jessica altered her angle, and we ran toward an impossible apex at the edge of the world. Still running, I looked over at Omar. He was standing with his eyes wide open. He was confused, scared, and obviously torn. He wanted the research, but he realized he needed to get off of that building and his time was short. He started to chase me, but after only a few steps, gave up and jumped in the helicopter. The propeller blade sped up and turned quicker and quicker. It genuinely felt like we were in an earthquake. The world's worst, most violent earthquake ever. The building was swaying and it was incredibly hard to run. Jessica fell and got back to her feet. I fell and struggled to get up. Something was tearing at my leg. Get up! You have to keep running! Finally, Jessica and I came together in one final embrace. I said, Do you trust me? Yes! she shouted. But before she had even said it, I was already diving off the building, clutching her and her laptop in my arms. We were alone in the world. Pull the cord on my chest! I screamed. My hands are full and I can't get to the cord! I felt Jessica struggling to get her arm free into my chest. A moment later, there was a gentle tug as the parachute opened, and we began our glide toward the ground. I looked up at the rectangular-shaped parachute and realized it must have been stolen. In the center was the logo for the United States Airborne Division, a black shield that was overlaid with the head of a bald eagle, and the word Airborne written across the top in capital letters. "'You can stop screaming now,' I said, holding her in my arms. "'Open your eyes. We're going to make it. We're going to be fine. Look and see.' Looking into her eyes, I added, softer now. Jess, look up. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord has truly delivered us. We're on eagles' wings. It was just a matter of moments, a splattering of seconds, and then we were on the ground. But those few moments... With Jessica in my arms, the grace of God's deliverance in our hearts and on our lips, were the best few moments of my life to that point. We landed with a crunch, a block away from the Azrieli Serona Tower. The crunch was a thousand glass shards, a mass of destruction beneath our feet. For the second time that night, the city was alive. Alarms blared and sirens screamed. The cavalry was on its way everything after that was a blur. End of chapter 26. If you're still here, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase 5 Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below, and you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released. And if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.